Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 13 of Just Another Football dun, dun, Podcast. Dun. Yeah. Unlucky this for podcast, some. No, we've already had the Nathan Ake incident. No more horrendous podcasts. For me, that was just uh, just a tremendously terrible podcast. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, statistically and uh, factually, horrendous. We'll see. We'll um, see. I'd noticed one error in your notes. Have but you? We'll get on to that later. Okay. Um, Welcome to episode 13 of Just Another Football Podcast with me, Danny Miller. And me, Josh Betley. Well, England have done something for once. Uh, don't want to spoil it. I mean, assume everyone's seen the score. If they're listening to this podcast, they've definitely, more than definitely seen the score. Um, we're going to cover those two games and then there's been a couple of good uh, news stories this week. Interesting news stories to debate. Uh, we're going to kick off with, uh, I think it was Thursday night's game. England played the USA. England won 3-0. Um, what was your take on on that game, Josh? Um, it was the was it the Wayne Rooney International or something? Was that its official name? Yeah, it was like the. Well, it was basically a testimonial, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so you know, I think it was about as well done as it could have been. Um, I don't feel like anyone necessarily missed out on playing so I think every most members of the squad got some minutes um, fairly clinical performance from England um, USA were they're not what they were five years ago they're they're right at the beginning of a huge rebuilding process yeah definitely and um, the, the start of that is uh, is Pulisic it's Pulisic is that how you say it? Pulisic? I have no idea I think it is plays for Borussia Dortmund he does he's, he's, he's only 20 um, from what I've seen of him playing in the Bundesliga, he looks like a quality outfit. You know, he, he'll be playing at. Uh, I reckon like a Chelsea is like a move for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he missed a really good chance to put the US one 0 up in the first half. He did, he did. But as I've written here, England could have been about three 0 up by then. So, yeah, um, you're probably right. You're probably right. Swings and roundabouts. Uh, England have won all three games at Wembley against the USA. Have they? With an aggregate score of seven nil. Wow. As if they haven't conceded. That surprises me. Yeah, it's because Rob Green hasn't been in goal for any yeah. of those games. <laughs> um, what a finish by Lingard. Yeah, Techers. Do you... Right. Every time we talk about Lingard and we talk about... I, I'm not a huge fan of Lingard, personally. Um, I think he scores goals like that and everyone forgets how shit he is most of the time. Yeah, we'll get maybe. on to how we played on Sunday in a bit. But generally, for United... And for England, I think people he scores a worldie like that, mm-hmm. and then everyone's like, "Oh, Lingard's class and all this," and he's like, "Well, he's not really that good." I think he's one of those players who, at the moment, is he's enjoying playing for England a lot more than he's enjoying playing for Man United. Yeah, definitely. well, I, I think, think that goes for every player that plays for Man United at the moment. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, and I think he sort of. I think he potentially offers more to England off the bench than starting because we saw on obviously started on Thursday but I think we saw on Sunday like the sort of impact that he can have when he came on he was brought on as an attacking substitution whereas maybe when he starts he's asked to do a more disciplined role which maybe isn't his bag yeah um I would agree with that but I think um Thursday showed the benefits of playing 4-3-3 against weaker teams because we absolutely yeah, dominated out wide getting like the triangles between the fullback the winger and the sort of the side 
of the middle three midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we got sort of all our joy in the first half. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's a really interesting time for England because we're, that four three three I think is the way that we have to play whoever we're playing mm-hmm. um, because it allows what it allows is you have obviously started this is another topic that I want to talk about Delphi's captain but it allows like Bar, uh, whoever starts in that was Barkley on Sunday but in that like sort of number 10 kind of position it allows them a lot more freedom Kane is a lot happier playing in mm-hmm. that up top role and I thought Callum Wilson was awesome yeah on, on, on I'm so Saturday. glad he scored yeah I'm so buzzing he scored also penalty Which first one? half he like well, on Wilson yeah if I remember rightly I think I did oh he, he goes in on him doesn't he no I didn't think it was a penalty I think it was clumsy by Guzan yeah clumsy I've seen them given for me in real time it was a penalty but then when you see the slow motion replay you see that Wilson just sort of hangs his leg there and he touches the ball away before Guzan gets there so tricky one tricky one you've seen them given though yeah yeah definitely Um, great finish by Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah who Um, is the youngest Liverpool player since who to score for uh, England oh Michael Owen correct when 97 close 99 oh, I'm always like a year or two out on these I always half remember the stat I'm very impressed um, though very impressed um, Rooney Dyer and Henderson all came on in the same substitution discuss um, I think Henderson was brought on because he's got a li- he had a little um, niggle, niggle. Yeah. so he wanted to see if he was able to play him on Sunday I think that was why just, he came on I don't know why but England scored their third goal when Dyer played a forward pass yeah his first forward pass of his career I think that is a correct start um, yeah I, it was my problem with it was with that change was um, was Southgate going we've won the game now it's Rooney's testimonial and I was like it was like Southgate was going you have a cap you have a cap you have a cap you have a cap and I was like well that it sort of like devalues England mm. I thought and it sort of after that the game was really had a couple of good chances but it was basically like I was I think I tweeted on, on Sunday being like when's Wayne Rooney going to get his penalty and like <laughs> if he'd actually got into the box he might have got a penalty yeah maybe um, but I ju- it just had the feel of like when that change happened I think it was like 70 minutes 60, 70 minutes 57 um, I was just so fucking bored after that I was just yeah. so bored are you saying that bringing Henderson and Dyer on is devaluing England uh, yeah because, because because you're playing the USA and you're bringing on two holding midfielders yeah yeah I, I agree with that but then I'm just going to play devil's advocate for, okay. the, for a moment uh, Jordan Henderson and Eric Dyer whatever we think of them uh, are They've sort of both got about 40 England caps, so they are seasoned internationals, but the, yeah, unfortunately. But, but if you think about, like, if you think about the type of player they are, yeah, they are the same player, and you don't need two of them in the starting lineup or like to yeah, come yeah, on and play in the same team. Completely agree. It's like Henderson should be coming on for Dyer or vice mm-hmm, versa. Yeah, I think vice versa. Personally, Dyer should be left at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't. I don't think that change is like you don't go and win a game with a it change was like a, that it was a bit conservative oh very a bit conservative you, you 2 up man against the USA 
and you it's don't like need to make that change. USA who have just been played off the park by England B team in the first half. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, um, Callum Wilson, first Bournemouth player to ever score for yeah, England. Excellent. He was he was he was awesome. He was he was everywhere, and he, that for me is the he is the perfect player to play either with or as an option to Kane. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, I think Welbeck's going to struggle to get back in now. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Well, we've we've spoken about um, like that. We need another Vardy type player mm-hmm. to come in, and he is that player. He's, I think he's twenty six. Um, like he's got another three tournaments in him. I think Wilson, and uh, he's now proven his worth. My wild card is that he signs for Newcastle within the next two years. Oh, interesting. You've got quite um, good form for that. Yeah, I am chief. I should be chief, chief scout, scout. By the way, Fabian Share, Miguel Almiron from uh, Atlanta United as well. Chief scout and He'll star centre forward. Um, yeah, we'll get onto that later. We'll discuss that later. Did you know it was England's least experienced side since? Whoa, this will be. It'll be fairly old, I reckon. Early nineties. Before that. Eighties. Yeah, May nineteen eighty, when we know. fielded a side with forty-six caps. Wow. It was. Uh, I think the average age was twenty-three. Yeah, only ninety-four caps in total in the starting eleven. Wow. Amazing, and I thought one of those younger players who's start uh, who's starting to come into the fold, Jaden Sancho, mm-hmm. again was. You was wrote awesome. Jason in your notes. That I did, that, yeah, because that wasn't the error. Or, or correct. They don't think Jadon's J- a name. Jaden isn't a name in uh, in Apple's world. It autocorrects it to Jason. Um, but yeah, Jaden Sancho was was awesome. Yeah, he's just got an air of class about him for an eighteen-year-old as well. Just so so calm, composed. He's got a turn of pace as well. Yeah, he's quick turn and of pace. the. Uh, he he looks for the byline. He's not scared to take on players, and that's what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's an exciting player. Whereas I think we've just spoke about Lingard before. I just don't think he's that sort of player for me. Like I'd mm, much rather see Sancho in that. I think the future of England, which we've spoken about before, in terms of a front three, is Sterling, Sancho, Kane. Mm-hmm. Because I think that to me is is exciting with with someone behind like Deli Ali or although Ali's probably not in the best form at the moment. Yeah, I have to say, from watching England live on Sunday yeah. for the Aww. first time was great. <laughs> uh, I've not seen a player glide along the turf like Rashford does. When he's on the ball, like I, I don't know if Rashford, that can be for me is a is a really good option. He was unlucky yeah. to get subbed on Sunday, uh, so he got really heavy challenge and he was limping. Yeah, so he, he went straight down the tunnel. Yeah, that's that's why he got taken off because I was reading they were like, why did Rashford get taken off? That doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, he was, no, he was, he was injured. He um, didn't look happy when he got subbed off though. No, no, say. no. Well, because it. I mean, we'll, we'll get onto that. I'll talk about that game later when we finish with this one. Yeah. But um, we've got options, like for the first time in such a long time. Like I feel like we've got options. Yeah, definitely. In certain positions. Yeah, I think I worry about our defense against better teams. Against, uh, we'll get onto a question that I want to ask you later, um, in a bit. But I do worry that um, if Stones, Maguire, or Gomez. Aren't in that back four? Where do where do we go? Yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. Um, right. So last week we mentioned obviously that we're musicians. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want your opinions on the England band, okay? You sat in the stadium on Sunday. They play everything way too quickly. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> and that's like yeah. not an exaggeration. Like, it's a good song. Don't, yeah. don't finish it in 10 seconds. I think the England band should be disbanded. And because for me, I don't know what it's like being in the stadium. Like, how far away from you were they? They were about. So you saw the distance I was to the pitch. Yeah. They were like at the back of that little tier. What, behind you? Yeah. Oh, they might have been like up slightly. Like, I could just see the end of the trombones. Yeah. I just think it's absolutely shit. I mean, it was great like 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But. I just think it smacks of like it's the sort of thing you would see at like Luton Town yeah no offence to Luton Town but it's like you don't need to take a band in to generate an atmosphere no I think it's just become sort of like a thing that happens like uh, with the England cricket team there's a trumpet player that follow, goes around with the Barmy Army I think these people should be shot he plays on Matilda in the West End does he actually yeah I think it's Matilda that's impressive yeah I think he should be shot still. Um, I've got a little question for go you. Go on. Uh, what percentage of all England internationals has Wayne Rooney appeared in? What do you mean? So the, he's got 120 caps. Yeah. As a percentage, what of a, is 120 out of every England international ever? Whoa. That's a good question because I've absolutely no idea how many England internationals there's ever been. So there've been nine hundred now nine hundred ninety one. So like ten percent, just over ten. Yeah, twelve percent. Yeah. Wow, which I think is quite impressive. That is impressive. That is impressive. Someone's doing some hoovering outside, so I apologise if you can hear that. Phil came in and apologised for that oh, before. I said we'd had much worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've had organs and band rehearsals, whatever. Um, all right, anything else to say on that USA game? Um, it's the end of an era, really, isn't it, Wayne Rooney? Yeah. yeah England's greatest modern day player question mark not for me not for you 120 appearances the, 53 the reason goals. I say this is because he I respect him as a player okay mm-hmm. but for me he scored a lot of his goals against shit teams mm-hmm. he didn't do it in the big tournaments he did it one tournament done yeah. it one tournament and he was like 18 and had, arguably like, that was a tournament when he had the best team around him as yeah well. and he, it was like no fear sort of Rooney um, whereas after that he was fucking dreadful a lot of the time mm-hmm. for England 120 caps yeah I mean you don't get 120 caps for England without being record for an outfield player yeah you don't you don't get that many caps for in for your national team if you're not on a, if you're not a great player mm-hmm. so don't get me wrong like I think he is a really really good player but not the greatest of the modern day era well, how modern are you talking um, last 20 years no probably 66 onwards nah no no way not for me okay I think he's in the conversation oh he's in the conversation but he's not for me not he doesn't he doesn't get in I there. think there were a lot of qualifying matches that spring to mind against mediocre opposition where we inevitably found ourselves 1-0 down and forgotten how to find the goal and uh-huh. he dragged us through but yeah in the major tournaments he didn't really turn up I, I and in the major games I don't think he yeah. turned up when you needed Wayne Rooney when you needed to call on Wayne Rooney to be like 
you are the you stick claim for being the best player in the world I don't think he stood up yeah. and, and that's yeah, why that's I would enough. say that he's not I think he was very unselfish he played out of position a lot yeah um, so, so you do you think he do you think he is no but I think he's in the top three or five yeah I think he's I would put him in the top five but I wouldn't I wouldn't have him yeah. in my top three I don't think so that's an interesting question we might come to that later on Alright, so as previously mentioned, Josh was at Wembley on Sunday, he got invited down, Jaffpod went to Wembley, well, one half of Jaffpod I wish it was that anyway. Club Wembley invited a yeah. Jaffpod representative. <laughs> um, England beat Croatia 2-1, mm-hmm. uh, basically permutations were that, because uh, Croatia beat Spain on Thursday, um, England needed a nil-nil draw or a win to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it was a score draw, Croatia would go through. And uh, no, um, England would go down. Croatia wouldn't go through. Oh, Croatia would be yeah. in second. Yeah. And uh, and if Croatia won, they would they would. Go um, oh, it no. depends on goal difference, wouldn't no, it? No, because they lost to Spain six nil. So yes. the head to head was worse. Yeah. So, um, it was the first half of missed chances, really. Uh, yes. Uh, Kane and Sterling both missed. Would you say yeah. sitters? Kane missed a sitter. He did. Um, was that at your that, end? No, no, it was at the other end. So they were attacking yeah. where I was sitting in the second half. The slow motion replay does not help Harry Kane for that chance where it was headed across goal. The only thing that maybe it saves him in real time is obviously it's happened very quickly and it's bounced just before it's got to him when at the speed the speed it actually came across goal like it was a blur yeah so actually he scored a, a very similar goal against with uh, his head against Tunisia with I his think. head was it with his head yeah against Tunisia <sighs> so, I think he should have scored that yeah, personally he should have scored but you was, can understand uh, why maybe he missed it yeah, as well exactly. I missed one similar difficult one six Sterling one on one great save Good by the save. keeper he um, made himself big and he didn't go down early. And he, he's big anyway. Yeah. Um, he had a really good game, I thought. I've What I'd say about that first half is I've not seen an England team get in behind a, a team of Croatia's ability as much as they did. Well, that's what I like about this England team is that we have pace. And we're, for years and years, if you think about... Um, like that uh, that golden era of English players I mean c- can you really say we had much pace in that England team no no even though we had probably the best footballers so, I mean you would say some of the best footballers on the planet at that time Lampard Gerrard Beckham um, Beckham Schools like for all of the talent that we had in the squad we didn't have someone that could run in behind arguably you would say someone like Owen but, but then he got injured but then and by, do that by that time he wasn't like Percy Michael Owen yeah. striker anymore was injuries he? taking their toll um, I thought Croatia were unlucky not to have a penalty uh, Joe Gomez tackle yes I thought that was very uh, in very real unlucky. time it looked very innocuous and there was barely any appeals it's um, one of them where you've seen them given I think it would have been soft but I think by the letter of the law it was a penalty yes um, I think contact was minimal I think he made the most of the challenge do you think VAR gives a penalty there um, if he sees if the ref sees it again do you think he gives a penalty yes but then on the slow motion replay it looked a lot worse than it was yeah which is difficult because again when they're making these decisions 
they only tend to watch the slow motion replay, uh-huh. which I think. Looks like did he get the ball first or the man? Joe well, Gomez he did, he obviously didn't, he didn't got the get man. the ball. He no, didn't get he the didn't ball get the at ball all. At all. Um, That's what made me think it was a penalty. Yeah. Um, so they're unlucky in that respect, but they barely created anything in the first. It was more sort of England trying to play out from the back that Croatia got a couple of half chances from. Yeah. Um, but it just had that feeling at half time, like we should have been two up. Yeah. What was the atmosphere like? Brilliant. Half time. Brilliant. Yeah. Electric. Were people still positive, or was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was really positive atmosphere. You'd have loved it. There was this bloke before the games even started, top off, <laughs> belly hanging everywhere, singing about baldy with earring and like face tattoos, <laughs> singing about how Southgate's the one. And I thought if Gareth Southgate saw this, he'd have he'd run a mile. <laughs> God, it was embarrassing. He's just singing. <laughs> about it and he's like I'm like put, put it away <laughs> put it away don't um, want to see it so the second half started mm-hmm. and England dominated really um, and out of nowhere Kramerich got a goal there was that little 10 minute phase where Modric started to get on the ball and they were pinging things about yeah. so this happened Dyer makes a brilliant tackle on the right uh-huh. puts a cross in which the keeper catches the cross took a deflection straight to the keeper. Now Modric has already gone into the space vacated by Eric Dyer because none of, uh, I think Barkley was still on at this point, none of Barkley or Delph had covered it. Mm-hmm. And the keeper threw it out to Modric and he's just got the back four to run at. And that's, I didn't appreciate how quick Modric actually is. He's, he's a- one of those players who you think should never beat you in a one-on-one race, yeah. but no one got, when he was on the ball, no one got near him. He is... For me, at this moment in time, the best midfielder in the world. Oh yeah, undoubtedly. You know, Ronaldo didn't even attend the ceremony where Modric got the award for being the best player that's in the world. That's because Ronaldo's a twat, though. Uh, indeed. Um, and then, obviously, Modric, they've got him behind us. And then I've watched like Gary Neville's analysis of it. What happens is the centre-backs got crossed over. And he says, yeah. when that happens, like... I thought it was interesting. I, I thought... Um, <laughs> Neville was very um, like he praised John Stones a lot. Um, he's very complimentary about him, uh, and but he was like, "Oh, he's made a mistake for the goal." Personally, I I didn't think he necessarily made a mistake no. for the goal because again, in slow motion, it looks like he's slid stupidly, but in real time, Cramerich, like that dummy, was really well sold. Yeah. And um, it was like, "Oh, he's played the ball in behind him." This was one of the things. Oh, he's played the ball in behind him, and it's like, yeah, well, he has, but. He's also that is also an amazing pass. Yeah, top like, pass for me. Dyer didn't really. He put the cross in the keeper quarter and he's thrown it. And Dyer's not even started. Yeah, trying to get back for me. Like he did get back eventually, and then he's gone past Stones. And then when Kramerick's turned back inside, Dyer's not close enough so he can get that shot yeah. away. And it does take a deflection. It was a really like we could see it was going in from where we were sitting before it went in. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunate goal because for me, like great if you t- take yeah great finish, uh, if you take that game versus the World Cup semi final, I think the improvement we've made, we've shown that like that system we kept Modric so quiet apart from that ten minute spell yeah. where they got the goal. Do you think uh, just to play devil's advocate? Um, do you think that Croatia are because of their 
they've had people retire and stuff like that. Do you think it's a weaker Croatia team? Um, I still think they're very streetwise, and that's what England have struggled against in the past. Like you could argue Iceland were a very streetwise team because, yeah. like, whilst quality-wise, they're not anywhere near England in terms of ability. They know their limitations, and I said the same about Croatia. They know their limitations. But they also know that they've got players in there that can really hurt people. Yeah, 100%. Um, I thought they set up to try and get a result. I don't think they came out to win the game necessarily. They I think knew they had to score. They knew they had to score, but also they knew that they, like England's strength, is arguably their offensive players. Yeah. Um, to, like we struggled to break them down in the second half because they set up very much in that sort of four-one-four-one shape. Uh, quite often they had ten men behind the ball. Uh, it was quite difficult for me because I was sat end on so obviously you can't yeah. quite get the same perspective as you get um, from side on but I thought it was a really good game of football yeah I thought it was as well um, after that goal went in uh, Croatia had another chance another dire mistake uh, led Brozovic to go through and have a good chance on goal probably should have put that away mm-hmm. Um I think that's where England were very lucky in this game. If they'd gone two down, that's game over. Yeah. Um, however, about two, three minutes later, goes up the other end and uh, Ling- uh, Lingard scores a tapping. Uh, yeah, I don't. The, I saw people on social media saying, "Oh, he's done a David Nugent." I think the defender would have gotten back to clear it off the line if he's not yeah. poked it in. Because uh, he does it, he, there's a moment where he could have poked it in early, and he's just sort of like clocked and then put it in. Um, so I don't think he's sort of stolen the goal there. Um, there was there was about a ten minute period after Croatia had scored where England were just passing the ball sideways and looked really shell shocked. Yeah. And actually, uh, Southgate made the substitutions that really sort of sparked the game into life. I thought Barkley was it was harsh on Barkley get substituted. He's got a bit of criticism this week. Uh, yeah, I thought he played. He was on well. a yellow card, and there was a couple of moments where we were a bit like, "I thought he'd go in for that tackle." He was probably the the at that moment in time one of the more, t- more one of the more likely players to score. Yeah, um, but I can see why he brought Lingard on. It was it actually turned into a, a really good change. I thought Lingard played really well. He well. brought Deli Ali on for Barkley, and then Lingard and Sancho on yeah. a bit bit later on. It was really refreshing to see Southgate just bring three attacking players on. Obviously, his hand was forced, but I always feel England are more dangerous when the hand breaks off. Yeah, completely understand why he set up with Dyer and Delph. But that's why I worry about Southgate's tactical nows because. I just think that if you set up attacking from the outset and you get an early goal, that gives the team so much confidence. I'm not saying like every game you need to set up like that, but we obviously like all we needed was a nil-nil draw. But to win the group and to go through, he knew we needed a win. So starting with Delph and Dyer for me is like is saying come at us. And mm-hmm. as much, like Delph has Delph started as captain on uh, on Thursday. Do you think that Delph is like a crucial part of this England team? He was quality on Sunday. Yeah, he was, he was quality. Yeah. And actually, I'd play him over Henderson or Dyer in that holding role because for me, Dyer was, he's not that forceful. He's not as forceful in the tackle as you think he'd be uh-huh. for a big bloke. He doesn't quite have the passing range or arguably the mobility to play in a single pivot role for me. Okay. He's great at Spurs, but they play a double pivot. 
so yeah. he's always got someone alongside him for me Delft demonstrated um, the ability to get up and down mm-hmm. uh, the passing range the ball to put, put Sterling in in the first half um, again it's difficult from end on to sort of appreciate maybe like his positioning but um, and I know it's a difficult one because he's only played six games for City as well but I do think he's quite an important because he's one of the older people in the squad as well yeah I think that's the important part for me um I personally think that is our weakest part. The middle three. The middle three. I don't think he quite knows what composition he wants well, yet. Well, I, I, I think if you look at the three, at those three, three players that we're talking about, Eric Dyer is not good enough to play at national football at this moment in time. I'm not saying mm-hmm. in the future he's not going to be, but at this moment in time he makes too many mistakes yeah. to play in that midfield. Mm-hmm. Okay, Henderson doesn't pass forward. When he does... He can create, yeah. But it's that when the ball is turning over, right? We don't have a midfielder that is willing to like look up and get his head up and powerful. We don't have. I'm not saying like we need a Luka Modric because, like we said, he is probably the best. Yeah, best probably, player, there's probably the best not one in the, in the in the system. But if we had a Modric um, in that system, I think that in terms of when like on Sunday when Croatia lost the ball and England had it just a midfielder to turn around look up and be like right who's who have I got in front of me mm-hmm. whereas I feel like Dyer, Henderson and Delph all get the ball and they stop and they look mm-hmm. at the sides and they're like right can I play it to Walker can I play it to Chilwell and for me it's not quick enough all three of them slow the ball down and this was the issue that I had in the first half on Sunday or like the early part of the second half was that everything was so slow yeah everything was taking so long to get going and you have players like you have Sterling on one side and uh, who was playing on the Rashford and Rashford on the left you've got two unbelievably pacey players there like our two good chances were from getting in behind Sterling's chance from getting in behind just look up and he's mm-hmm. going to beat Lovren he's going to beat um, Vida. Vida he's going to he's going to beat like the full backs and I know Valslenko went off early as well so the, you're playing against a tired team that played their hearts out on Thursday and that's where I thought it was disappointing because everything it, at the start of the first half we played really quickly mm-hmm. but at, and as the game drew on everything slowed down and that was I thought that was the I felt that that was the midfield slowing it down yeah yeah so um, so would you say there's room for one of those players in that system, not two. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that you need... I think the there's a, a, a player that we don't have currently. Yes. I would say the closest person we have to it is like someone like Lewis Cook from Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. And the, a player that isn't going to sit, he's going to be a bit more expansive with what's going on, but I just don't think he's good enough at the minute. Yeah. Um, but so in terms of his general gameplay, that he is probably one of the players that I would say, okay, he is a player that he's. I think he's he's still young. So yeah, well, he's under twenty ones so at the moment. I think he captains them potentially. Does he? Yeah. Well, I think he will get in the side eventually, and he is the perfect player to come in there. And then you're talking about, uh, 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 I would say personally, a Henderson. Winks is another one of those players mm-hmm. that is, that can do that role as well. Uh, Henderson, uh, Lewis Cook and uh, Ali as -hmm. an example and I don't think it's a case of having three in the middle I think it's a case of having a two and a one Mm -hmm. so a two in behind 
one sitting a bit more to help out who's whoever's playing at the back one a little bit further forward that Lewis Cook is going to help with the turnover and then Deli Alley in behind the striker mm-hmm. personally okay. I think that's our best system and yeah. uh, I just think we're lacking that creative midfielder I think of moment. all those holding midfielders Delph is the most mobile yeah I worry about Delph because he has he, he played really well on Sunday mm-hmm. don't get me wrong and he's played but he's playing in a quality city team and he has he does have off days yeah and I think that's why Guardiola doesn't want to play him in the centre of midfield I know they've got a wealth of, of talent a wealth yeah. of players that can play in that position but I think you would I think you would you wouldn't be saying that if Fernandinho got injured that Delph would be playing in there yeah you would play Gundogan mm-hmm. and I think that says a lot mm-hmm. because I just don't think Delph is necessarily consistent enough to play like that all the time mm-hmm. he'll have one in five which is pretty good that's why he plays for Man City but when that's in an international tournament you can't yeah. really have that Um. Back to the goal, the um, the Lingard tapping should it have been disallowed? Uh, by the letter of the law, yes. But then I don't know what the rule is because um, obviously part of his foot's on the line. Yeah. But part, and they said obviously part of his foot's over the line, so part of his foot is in play. Yeah. But then on the line is in, so arguably throwing should be from behind the line. Yeah, in general, I don't know exactly what the wording on the law. I I think it should have been. I I think it is your foot on the line is that you are out of play. Mm-hmm. But if your foot is on the green, you're in play. So yeah, you shouldn't. But then should who, who was looking at that? Exactly. But then again, then again, is that another thing? I don't think that is a thing that VAR would have picked up. It's something that's come out after the game. Yeah, because arguably the lines well there's no offside from a throw in so no. arguably that's what the linesman should be looking at yeah in my book and actually the officials they're alright Cramerich didn't get booked for kicking the ball away and not yeah, just like that, yeah. not just punted it into the stand <laughs> didn't get a yellow card um, we were quite side on with the touchline there were a couple of moments where uh, we felt the ball had gone out and the linesman didn't give it but then it, benefited England ah yeah. I've got something something that I don't like about Luka Modric Go on. taking a corner puts the ball six inches away from the thing so obviously there's no linesman but the ball has on that to side. it's the ball over the line that was the whole thing because yeah. about I remember maybe it was about two like, years ago was that they were um, players were putting the ball like a little bit further over the line and mm-hmm. the, the referees were like they can't do anything about it like they were like so yeah because the ball is still over the line um, but like it wasn't even touching the bit of the corner like it was like a good sick like there was green between oh really where he'd put it and obviously there's no but one is there. the ball still over the is the edge of the ball still over the white line no no like there was daylight of green between the little so I I didn't enjoy that because <laughs> like it was it's just a bit unnecessary yeah I mean, what advantages are going to give you? It's yeah, really. it's not like you're going to score from a... I mean, if you do, good effort, but... Well, from one of those corners, Vida had a header, Lingard cleared mm-hmm. it off the line, um, another let-off, um, but having a man on the post is vitally important. And actually, uh, this is something else Gary Neville said, Lingard wasn't just on the post, he was not just holding the post, he's like, he's come alive, he's yeah. been aware, he's come, in, he's, seen, he's come in and he's got... The, cleared it off the line. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, what a finish to the game it was like yeah. 
end-to-end stuff. Both teams were going for it. Um, well, they had to. They had to, really. Uh, and Kane got the goal. Yeah. Talk to me about Ben Chilwell. So I've revised my opinion that he was awful on okay. Sunday because he put in he put in a shift down the left-hand side. I didn't think he was... I think, I think he what was, we do is, and we do this with Man City as well, is that Man City play so well mm-hmm. all the time and then when they win 1-0 we think they're shit. Yeah. Whereas Ben Chilwell play, has played so well for England and Leicester recently he that is, when he played okay, we were like, he was shit. He is our undisputed number one left back for yeah, me. agree. Uh, brilliant injury record um, consistent knows how to defend very rarely gets caught ahead of the ball which I think is important for a full back Um, he didn't have his best day when it came to taking corners he didn't ever beat the first man fairly woeful Um, but then he's the only left footer in that team I'm not sure what foot Delph is Delph's left footer I think as well yeah uses both fairly freely yeah Um, so I wouldn't have him on corners Uh, but then from the set piece that he took England scored the winning goal Uh, but for me the Croatian defender should have cleared it but he slipped yeah you thought it was a poor cross didn't you so uh, subjective objectively subjectively if that Croatian defender clears it then it's a poor cross isn't yeah. it but Harry Kane scored so it's a quality ball in um, I think what he was he was trying to curl it in behind because Croatia were defending with a very high line uh, so he's gone to curl it in behind so I um, think generally he was he had a good game yeah. his set pieces were really poor but I thought that was a really good mm-hmm. cross albeit a bit lucky yeah bit lucky. but you make your own luck don't you that was Kane's first goal for uh, 747 minutes wow in an England shirt all of the goal scorers and an England assister had one team in common. Who was it? Which team? Oh, so not the person who assisted for Croatia? Not the person. No, all the goal scorers and one England assister. One England assister? Yeah. I have no idea. Leicester City? Kramerich played for Leicester mm-hmm. in their, I think it was their title winning season and both Kane and Lingard were on loan there and Chilwell plays for them so both England sisters who was the other England sister Kane no it was I thought it was Trent on it no because Kane like hit it back across oh, well, the goal both England sisters yeah. then even better oh there we go um, there, it wasn't Trent it was Joe Gomez that was the error on your notes you said it was Joe, Trent was it yeah you said it was Sars. Trent Sars. that's um, our reach they both play for Liverpool it was a uh, England's first goal from a throw-in since May 2014 That's in Stokes' when, height <laughs> when Sturridge scored versus Peru yeah wow um, just to sum up this game uh, personally I, I reckon a lot of people would disagree with me on this uh, in that I thought England were fairly disappointing bearing in mind they were playing a team in Croatia that had played four days before mm-hmm. and had played their heart out until the, for 93 minutes against one of the probably one of the best teams in the world um, I thought that everything was like, I, like I've said before in the middle third of the game was too slow yeah. and when we sped it when we sped up Croatia had a second wind mm-hmm. and I think we were lucky to win the game really? well if you take like 
on stats. I wonder maybe what not. their I wonder what the expected goals for either team were. I I can't imagine they were very far away. Because England, sixty two percent possession. Yeah. Seventeen shots with eight on target yeah. versus Croatia's twelve with three, and then England had nine that, corners versus Croatia's four. So I you'd think say they, on, they had both teams had very similar chances. Yeah. And so I think England had more though. More good chances. Slightly. I'd say the goals didn't necessarily come from good chances. No, they I, were. I, yeah, pro- you're probably right there. But I, I think generally, if you're playing a team like that, and I think part of that is down to the way that the team's set up. I, yeah. Okay. There's been there's like a lot of talk about Gareth Southgate and a lot of talk about like what he's doing for England. And I think generally, what he's doing for England is really good. Don't get me wrong. But I think in terms of the football inside, I think that there's still he still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think his tactical he made obviously subs like you said before he forced his hand the subs on sun- on Sunday he didn't have a Henderson to bring on which I would have thought he would have brought on mm-hmm. if he had Henderson there starting with Dyer and Delph to me is negative when you have to go and win the game mm-hmm. uh, and so personally I think that he's tactically poor but everything else he's doing in terms of like bringing the youth through and all of this I think is is really really good I just worry that when we play better teams and I'm talking when we go to Portugal in summer and when we go to the European Championships I just think we'll get found out Mm -hmm. I think what's maybe a little bit difficult for Gareth like I'm on first name terms Gareth um, (laughs) he he doesn't have that wealth of managerial experience sort of fall back on so I think he's yeah. still maybe learning quite a lot about himself as a manager mm-hmm. um, obviously he doesn't get that much contact time with them either no so but I mean for me this is the most positive it's ever been about England in yeah. my lifetime so and I'm I think going to jump on that bearing in mind this is the last England game of 2018 mm-hmm. uh, I think we can say that the positives are that the, the mood around England at the moment is positive and that there is a team ethic and there is this uh, like thing about England at the moment um, I think that on the pitch though that, that there is a, a few problems one of them is scoring from open play by the way yeah not we, making chances sh- though so no. it's more conversion rate than anything else yeah yeah um, but we need more goals from open play yeah <laughs> basically um, but then we've only played three games in our new new shape. Yeah. So. But I think the change of shape is such a huge step. Yeah. And we've I have been calling for this since pre World Cup. Why you need to line up with five at the back against like in Tunisia? I have absolutely no idea. Uh-huh. So and and we don't have the enough players to play that system anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a it's a really good thing that that's that that's changed, and I think that is a step forward. Um, I still think there's a long way to go for him. Yeah, of course, think, of course, but it's it's on the up. Yeah. It's not Roy Hodgson's England team. Croatia's first loss to England since what? Uh, two thousand two, two thousand nine, when we beat them five one. Um, anything else to say on England before we move on? To yeah, the, I've got loads. Go on then. I've got loads. Talk to me. Uh, like you said, we played 17 games this year. We won yeah. 10, drawn three, lost four. I counted the Columbia match as a draw because okay. technically it was a draw. Uh, goals for 28, 
Yeah. And goals against 15. It's all right. Our best year since 1966. Really? Do you think? That's a question. Uh, Two obviously, semi-finals. I can only speak really about uh, the in my lifetime, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's definitely the most positive it's been yeah. in my lifetime. Um, I would say there's less pressure from the press on the squad mm-hmm. than there's ever been. Because I think they could lose a game now. What I don't like, by the way, is that England are releasing a DVD of the World Cup. We finished fourth. That's such a Spurs thing to do. <laughs> We're the Spurs of international football right now. Um, that's that's the thing that annoys me a bit. It's like we finished fourth in the in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Like it's a great achievement, but don't make a DVD about it. Yeah. Because ultimately, it was like we, we lost. Or is it is it about the football or is it about the behind the scenes? I think it's about the football. Okay, if it yeah, maybe that's a little bit little bit much. Um, Woo, we came fourth. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like Spurs winning the we beat Arsenal trophy or whatever. Um, I think that maybe maybe on the if you look at the statistics, maybe it is the best since '66. Mm-hmm. I would say I am. I would say that it's not the best team we've had since '66. No. But you don't necessarily. But have I think the most if successful. you're asking me this question in in five years' time, maybe I will be telling you that it's the best England side that we've seen since '66 because I think we've got so many young players coming through that mm-hmm. by the time we get, I think there's gonna Southgate's gonna have a real selection headache for the Euros. Yeah, which is what you want. Yeah, it's exactly you don't you don't want to be trying to fit 26 players into 23. You want to be fitting no. 50 players yeah, into exactly. 23. What I worry about is that these players need to get game time for their clubs yes and or so, they need to do what Sancho has done exactly that exactly that and I think maybe do you think if Phil Foden had left City when Sancho left City do you think he'd be playing in the England squad now yes so maybe that's a if you're listening but to this Phil he's Foden, playing under 21s and running games so he is how it's like it's that thing of how much experience do you get from playing those under 21 games because obviously you get international experience you're going away and you've been on like training camps and stuff but it's like the under 23 Premier League thing of like you're not really playing anybody yeah that like if you're playing against Andor under 21s if you're playing for Andor under 21s when you're 21 you're probably not going to make it as a yeah and you're like part time like fisherman or something yeah um, so there's there's that argument I think you need to be playing top level football week in week out but he is getting to train under the best manager in the world with the best, with the best players in the world so um, yeah there is that argument but it's short done term, Sancho no, yeah. no harm is it done Sancho no harm I think it's it's super interesting when we think about where England's going to be in, in in a few years' time, I, I'm not like we like we've spoken about before off 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 air, um, <laughs> off air, um, like we chat apart yeah, yeah. from this. <laughs> well, we don't talk unless we're sat in front of these microphones. Um, like we've spoken about before, like, I I've never been a big England fan. I've never uh, like they, we scored on Saturday, and I was like, cool. <laughs> Whereas when when Rondon scored that header I was like running around the flat yeah. so it's like a comp- for me international football is nowhere near I think partly maybe because I don't see any of my Newcastle favourite Newcastle players playing mm-hmm. for 
playing for England. Maybe yeah. that maybe that's one of the things I, I think I would have a lot more interest in it if Shelby and Lascelles were playing. I have to say, but um, I think it is. I am becoming more interested in. I like the Nations League. To be honest, mm-hmm. it's for me. It's it's like it's it's all right. Um, format needs revising, partly, but it's too many permutations. Yeah, yeah. Like we could have won the group and got relegated in the same game. So what's the point in playing six games? Uh, playing the other three games. Sorry. So it's one of them. But I think it is beneficial for the for the countries mm-hmm. to be playing playing those teams. And yeah, I just I didn't like Thursday because of. The fact that firstly it's a friendly and it's on Sky again. Yeah. Um but also I just it was just like it was Wayne Rooney's testimony. I think the problem with friendlies is the second half always follows the same pattern. Game becomes broken and disrupted because of the amount of changes. Now I've not I remember when Sven used to literally change the whole team yeah. at half time. And like that, that. that was that was fine. Do that for your manager, mate. Um what I think would maybe be good is still have the six subs, but you can only make three of them in the second half. Yeah. So you have to make three at half time. If you want to make six, you have to make three at half time. And then that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it will be like a normal game, yeah. sort of. That's the first time I think you've ever had a good idea. I'm well, not just a pretty I, face. <laughs> You're not I'm a pretty barely face. That, yeah. to be fair. So. Um, so other internationals that have happened this week. Um, I'm not finished. Are you not finished? Go no. on. Sorry, Josh. I want to talk about Harry Kane. Oh, go on. So I've got me Harry Kane England top oh, on. Oh, okay. Right, go and on. Just briefly, just briefly. <laughs> um, obviously, he got man of the match on sat- on Sunday, and there was sort of audible yeah. laughter from the stand I was in when that happened. Yeah. No, but no. having read, he had more shots on target than Croatia, yeah. and he won more headers than anyone else, yeah. and he does a largely unsung job in that team. I don't want to talk I think about he does that. that with, I think he does that with Spurs as well. Yeah. Um, obviously Poacher's finish and arguably he was sort of in the running for that for the first goal as well but what he what I do want to talk about is 80% of his England goals come in competitive internationals yeah. so on the flip side he's of Rooney he's a big game player is he the best centre forward in the world yes I've yes. said it for the past year or Suarez or would you uh, not better. say he's a centre forward better than Suarez ok well he doesn't bite people for one yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> Scored his 20th England goal in his 35th game, yeah. which makes him Impressive. the joint 11th fastest of all time. Yeah, but the second... With Jermaine Defoe? On 20 goals, I mean. Oh, right. Sorry, in terms no, of, not in terms of games. Uh, 35 games. Yeah, no, no. so I've made a little list. Um, test your knowledge. I've made two lists. I've got of the modern era. He's oh, the second okay. quickest of the modern era. Behind Michael Owen? No. Emil Heskey? No. <laughs> Emil Heskey. <laughs> um, is it? Uh, oh, yeah. Modern day, you're talking post '66. Yes, but I'll narrow it down to like '80s onwards. For okay. It. In fact, uh, Lineker. Yes. Yeah. So Lineker took. I've got contrasting sources. Some said 27. Some said 25 games. So okay. Take from that what you will. Then obviously Harry Kane second, and then I've got third through to sixth. Okay. in this list is Owen on that list at all Owen is he's fifth he took 46 games uh, this is to reach 20 goals yeah yeah uh, Shearer he was fourth 43 games legend Newcastle legend mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another Newcastle those. legend on here as well uh, Les Ferdinand no no he didn't get many England caps did he 
Newcastle legend, another one, Andy Cole. No, didn't get many think cups either, did he? Not necessarily as a player, just. Oh, Ke- big Kev, Kevin big Keegan. Big Kev, yeah, he's joint sixth. Took really? forty-nine games, joint sixth with someone we've talked about lots today. We talked about lots today. You know, my short-term Rooney. memory is horrendous with Rooney. Rooney. So <laughs> I'm just after third. Oh. And it's not a centre forward. Uh, is it like Lampard or Gerrard or something? Nope. On the, along the right sort of lines in terms of position, school. Uh, this um, player played in the nineties. Was England captain for a while. Played for Arsenal. Oh, um, Platt. David Platt. David Forty-two Platt. games, which I think for That's central impressive. midfielder is very impressive. Really I'm not going to get you to he guess. Was, he was class. I'm not going to get you to guess the other list. No, go on. Uh, Steve Bloomer took twelve games to get twenty goals mm. for England. In Bloody like hell. the 1900s yeah. and like the 1900 noughties, yeah, so like yeah. over 100 years ago. Uh, Tommy Lawton, Nat Lofthouse, Stan Mortensen, and Viv Woodward both all got 19 games, 20 goals. Jimmy Greaves, 20 yeah. and 20. Bobby Charlton, 20 and 24. Tom Finney, 20 in 32. And then Sir Jeff Hurst. Wow. Joint with Harry Kane, 35. It's impressive. It is it's impressive. He is a. Um, I think, like you say, I think he is the best uh, striker in the world at the moment. But arguably, you wouldn't get into a world eleven because you might not play with a centre forward. I would. Oh, fair. Um, I would always play four four two. Okay. But it, that second striker might not necessarily be like. He might not necessarily be your number 10 and number 9 mm-hmm. it's not like Michael Owen Alan Shearer up front it's for me it's more um, for me it's more like if I was to do World 11 I would have like Kane and Messi up front mm-hmm. and Messi is like your false 9 yeah kind of striker dropping in and being creative rather than and then like Neymar and Mbappe out wide or Neymar something. and Mbappe can't look past Ronaldo out wide either maybe in his heyday mm-hmm. uh, it's more of a striker now isn't he um, and but then, he's always been an ass. Yeah, I tell you what though, if we move on. Have you got anything else to say about England? No, I've cool. finished. Um, as as we move on, tell you what, Tony Cruz. Uh, I think it was last night they played the Netherlands. Uh, Tony Cruz was quality. Played some unbelievable passes last night. Um, he would be not far away from my uh, mm-hmm. World Eleven at this moment in time. Um, so other internationals that went on we're going to start with uh, Switzerland they qualified for the uh, for the Nations League after Belgium went 2-0 up and it finished 5-2 to they Switzerland they had to win by two goals if Is that Belgium what it was, scored yeah. twice they, had, they could win 1-0 or 2-1 but if Belgium scored twice they had to win by two and they played incredibly well mm-hmm. I have to say um, and that's not their like go-to is it playing attacking football no because they're they're one of those teams that they're in the top 10 in the world in terms of world rankings but they've never really done anything at a major tournament yeah well when we get to the end of this I'm going to ask you a question Mm -hmm. Uh, Holland uh, were 2-0 down against Germany as I said Uh, Tony Cruz was awesome Timo Werner's goal was class I've always wondered why certain people call it Holland and some people call it the Netherlands good question because I'd call it the Netherlands would you yeah I think uh, I have absolutely no idea. Um, but Holland came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they scored two goals in the last ten minutes. Um, Promes and Van Dijk, I think it was. Uh, a Holland back. 
They didn't qualify we, for the World Cup, did they? We touched on this briefly, I think, in another international break. Um, and I said, if you look down their team list, not every member of that team is necessarily a household name. Yeah. Whereas Dutch teams of the last 10 years, you look down the list and go, Iron how are Robin, they not like yeah. dominating the world? Your Robbins, your Van, Schneiders, Van Persie. Um, they beat France and Germany to get to the, Euro, the Nations League. I finals. think... Kerman's a good international manager because he doesn't have long enough for them to work up a defensive vulnerability. Yeah. So uh, they just, yeah, really happy for them. Um, not sure I'd like to be drawn against them in the semi final. I think I'd prefer Switzerland of the four teams that have qualified. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like to play against them, I have to admit. Um, Germany. Mm-hmm. Four wins in twelve in twenty eighteen. It's not been a good year for Joachim. I Lohr. think he's been there for quite a while, and I think international managers have a sell-by date. And I think maybe they've gotten a little, maybe a little bit stale with his, um, with his ways, with his how he wants them to play. So I think for me, it feels like they need a, just a change of voice sometimes yeah. it seems the same voice can be difficult they've struggled to replace the play, players that have retired yeah I would agree I would agree ok do you see the Spain any of the Spain game? Uh, the Murata miss yes, do you see it? it's just not going well for him at the moment is it? well he scored, he played really really well on the last Premier League game mm-hmm. weekend uh, and yeah he was fairly he should have scored shouldn't he should have mm-hmm. scored now the question I want to ask you is um, England Switzerland Portugal Netherlands are the teams that go mm-hmm. to Portugal next year are they the four best teams in Europe probably not on paper but that's the beauty of tournament football yeah I would say that would you would you have in, interestingly would you have England in the top four teams in Europe? No, but they're four of the best twelve, which is what the top. Yeah. I, this is where I think the Nations League format needs to be revised slightly. Mm-hmm. Three teams in a group, I don't think is necessarily that interesting. Yeah. Um, it's difficult if you like, double the group size. That's when it gets interesting. Yeah, just play each other once. Yeah. I would love that at a neutral ground. Yeah, because having four of your best twelve teams getting relegated, because like Germany could realistically be playing in the same league as Scotland next year, which yeah. is like that's a big class difference. And like, also, it was like um, I think it was maybe it was Ireland had lost every game, but they could still not get relegated. Was that Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, two groups of six and the bottom two go down. Yeah, and the top two. Going to the maybe smaller groups in the lower leagues. Yeah, but the top teams like you, like who's gone down? I Germany. would love to see because do you want to see England play Spain twice and Croatia twice, or would you like to see England play Croatia and then England play France and then England? That that is really testing yourself against yeah. the top teams. Bear in mind, France have just won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't think France are going to be that bothered about missing out on the Nations oh, no. League semi-finals because they're world champions. So yeah, they're exactly. doing this. Yeah, they're not asked at all, are they? Um, all right. Anything else to say on the international football from this weekend? From this week, I think I there's think some so. games tonight. But yeah, Scotland, sort of, if Scotland beat Israel, they're promoted. Yeah, 
No one really cares about that. No. Nah. They beat um, 10 man Albania 4 0. Congratulations. But the big one tonight Billericay Town play Chesterfield in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Big one. Uh, all right, let's have a look at club football using Billericay FC as a segue. Um, Premier League's back at the weekend. We're just going to run through the fixtures and you're going to tell me your. We're going to run through our predictions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brighton Leicester, three o'clock on Saturday. Leicester win. By what score? One goal. I'm going to say. Bright. I'm going to say score draw, one each. Okay. Brighton at home. Everton Cardiff at Goodison. Everton win by two. Everton 2 0. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, Fulham Southampton at Craven Cottage huge game Ranieri's first in charge 1-0 all. 1-0 all. Uh, I'm going to go for a Southampton victory Oh. 2-1 oh. Charlie Austin banging them in I think Charlie Austin will get a goal um, Man United versus Crystal Palace um, 3 o'clock again loads of 3 o'clock this weekend I like it United victory yeah, United win one, uh, two. It depends if Zaha plays. Yeah, if Zaha plays, I can see them getting a goal. Man United win through hard work. Yeah, either two nil or two one, depending on if Zaha plays for me. Watford Liverpool at uh, Vicarage Road. Three one Liverpool. Watford aren't playing necessarily too well at the minute. They're five to one to win. That's quite long odds for that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a score draw 2-2 two, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last 3 o'clock kickoff on Saturday is West Ham Man City City win City win 2-0 two, two for me 4-1 four, 4-1 one. Four, one. Uh, late kickoff on Saturday is a is a good one have you got a gig on Saturday? I do I've got the show bang uh, Spurs against Chelsea yeah that is a good one at uh, on Sky at Wembley BT. it's on BT yeah damn I can't watch it I'm going to go to the pub um, yeah good game two each uh, I think that Sari will get his first defeat Okay, uh, I'm going to go for a Spurs victory they always tend to play quite well in these games mm-hmm. I'm going to go for 2-1 okay also, big England influence in the Spurs side. They'll yes. be on a high. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunday, early kickoff, Bournemouth Arsenal at, uh, at Bournemouth. Mm, I think the Bournemouth Vitality. are a team that could trouble Arsenal, but I think Arsenal nip it. Yeah, they haven't won for a couple of games. They've got mm-hmm. a few draws. I think they'll get a victory here, two nil. Uh, and then Wolves Huddersfield late kickoff on uh, draw Sunday. Draw. Yeah, just Score got a draw. feeling. No, I'm going to go for nil-nil. Wolves to miss lots of chances. Wolves miss lots of chances every week. Um, I'm going to go for a Wolves victory, uh, two-nil. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, Monday night, uh, Burnley versus Newcastle. Eight o'clock kickoff. Newcastle win. Yeah, Josh, that's what I like to hear. Three in a row. Score. One-nil. I'm going to go for. You know we've never played Burnley on a on a weekend. Really? In the Premier League, yeah. I think that's the start. It's a fix. It's a fucking joke because I was going to go at that game and mm-hmm. uh, and they've moved it to a Monday night and I can't go. Um, I'm going to go for... My heart's telling me to go for Newcastle and my head's telling me to 
go for a draw. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with my heart and I'm going to say that it's going to be a 2 0 win. Okay. Joe Hart, own goal. <laughs> that would be your dream. Someone's going to hit the post, it's going to bounce back and hit him on the head and go in. And then he's not going to care about the goal, but he's going to be like, Yeah, he's going to hate life. All right, so a couple, two two things to talk, uh, three things to talk about. The first one we've mentioned just then, Ranieri in at Fulham, what do you think? Always leaves a sour taste in the mouth when they sack a manager and then like, but here's our replacement. Yeah, it's a bit dodgy, isn't it? Yeah. A bit dodgy. Um, they'll either win the league or get relegated. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're going to win the league. Yeah, so we shall so, see. Uh, they're not too out of touch. So if they win on the weekend, then they'll be right back in the mix. I think the three teams that are in the relegation zone at the minute would be the three teams that go down. Is that Cardiff, Huddersfield, Fulham? You'd hope so. Yeah, they're the three I think will go. Um, VAR from next season agreed in principle. Brilliant. For the Premier League. Bring it on. Bloody time. Bring it on. We've been very vocal on this podcast about how supportive we are of VAR for those of you that listen. Hoovar, um, you might yeah. say. Hoover. I thought Hoover. my title for the podcast was great last week. Did you see it? VAR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was really clever. Mm-hmm. Um the first clever podcast name I've done. Um but the big the big one from this week, the the big one, uh Richard Scudamore is about to leave the as head of the Premier League or whatever he is. And he's each club is giving him two hundred and fifty thousand pounds as a goodbye present. What a five million pound bonus? Talk to me about this, Josh. What's the point in his salary? Like he gets two and a half million quid a year. He's does obviously he, does he need? He's obviously it, really struggling. That's why he needs a little. Does he need five that extra five million? Well, the way that I see it is, if clubs have got, I mean, that's more. By the way, just to put this into context, that is more than Newcastle's net spend in the past, like since yeah. we got promoted. So it's just. If you think about it that way, it's a disgrace, really. Um, for me, five million pounds, two hundred and fifty. Imagine pumping that into grassroots football. Yeah, and it he's just going to be spending it on a holiday villa. He's going to get a Tenerife yacht or something. Or something yeah, uh, I think it's absolute joke. Yeah. To be honest, it's that is it's English football's Achilles' heel at the moment. Is like the FA committee still like seventy percent like old white men. Yeah. It's just like not reflective it's of fairly, the game fairly corrupt yeah. the English football system even though we don't want to admit it there is some dodgy stuff going on there do you think that like Bournemouth really want to give £250,000 to the FA no like to Richard Scudamore no they've got better money better things to spend the money what's he done for Bournemouth no, fuck all yeah exactly fuck all um, and also if you think about teams like Huddersfield they only came up last year they've played mm-hmm. in the, all the years that Scudamore's been in charge of the Premier League he's had two years whereas teams like Aston Villa that were in the league for, for years and years haven't had to more, pay haven't had to pay anything so it's a bit dodgy yes a bit dodgy proportionate amounts would have been yes so last week we asked uh, you guys what your favourite uh, who you who you think the best team of all time was and the best club of all time Josh who have you gone for so best club of all time I've gone for Barcelona yeah uh, again, your brother very kindly did my research yeah. for me. Um, Real Madrid were there or thereabouts. Barcelona were there or thereabouts. Actually, Man United were there or thereabouts as well as sort of a brand. But then what really won it for me was um, 
the way that Barcelona bring through like their youth product players and you see yeah. players that actually don't make it into the Barcelona team are playing at top clubs around Europe as well yeah um, I agree with that the Pep Guardiola was brought through by them who's an ex-player they promote ex-players to be their manager um, mm-hmm. a fairly well-run club the only, probably the only blemish is that they tried to like pay money for like to sign four-year-olds but <laughs> um, yeah so that for me yeah and the best individual team uh, I've gone for Man United's treble winning side in 98-99 okay because no other English club has ever won that sort of treble before of Premier League Champions League and FA Cup yeah it was a great team great, great team. team great squad It. you never guess who was on the bench for the Champions League final for United who Jonathan Greening really yeah wow that's sickening that he has a Champions League medal yeah um I've gone for as I think it's pretty unanimous that the the best club um was Barcelona. I've gone for exactly the same thing. Um you can't look past all the greats that they've that they've played that have played for them and like you say, all the youth players that have come through and even if they're not playing at Barcelona they're they're playing at your United, your Arsenals, your Man City's now and it's really interesting even like players like Yaya Toure at one point was probably one of the best players in the world and he was a Barcelona youth prospect playing at Man City absolutely incredible um, and like you say Man United had to be up there just because they're probably the greatest English team it sickens me to say that but they probably are mm-hmm. um, Real Madrid were up there um, special mention I think Matthew put this on the comments special mention to Ajax as well mm-hmm. because Ajax were not only a formidable force in like the 80s and 90s in the Champions League but also again they continuously pump out these incredible players Matthias De Ligt, I think was playing for Holland over the over the international break he is the next superstar defender mm-hmm. in my opinion he's he'll end up at a Barcelona or a Man United somewhere like well maybe not Man United but he'll end up at a Barcelona or Real Madrid he is going to be incredible he'll be one of the best players in the world and their youth system as well just pumps out incredible players basically Uh, for the best team uh, I've gone for the 2008-2009 Barcelona side Mm -hmm. uh, under Pep Mm mm-hmm I uh, I would have been 13 when I was watching the side in the Champions League um, and watching a bit of La Liga as well and the football they played was yeah. just incredible right I'm um, just looking at some stats now Messi got 38 goals in all competitions that season mm-hmm. but Samuel Eto got 30 goals yeah um, they won La Liga Copa del Rey Champions League they were their team was amazing Valdez uh, Puyol Toure Pique Silvino Busquets Iniesta Xavi Henri Eto Messi in the Champions League final what a squad that is and then players that were there at the time were people like Idiga Johnson who was at the back end of his career but was quality Eric Abidal where did he go after that I think he went back to Bolton after that did he actually yeah because he, he scored in that game we went to watch oh he went to Monaco went to Monaco and then Spurs on loan and Spurs oh, Stoke Fulham that. he had a few clubs before yeah. Bolton oh. it was like five years before oh he yeah went my timeline's well off there yeah. but anyway Bolton um, legend got it in yeah <laughs> but what what a squad man 
what a squad and like they broke so many records I mean they won 27 games lost uh, drew 6 and lost 5 in the in the league lost 2 in the Champions League and still won it mm-hmm. um, absolutely incredible won 48 games drew 13 and lost 7 that season Decent. absolutely unbelievable and um, it wasn't just the fact that they won the, won those competitions they sold Deco and Ronaldinho the summer mm-hmm. before and still went on to dominate playing the silkiest most beautiful football I've ever seen um, so for me that they had to be there mm-hmm. um, so it's time for this week's question Josh this week's question what is so it? last night I was thinking about it um, I thought you had like one did. did you not have one last week yeah but I've changed I'd forgotten and cha- it was it was only sort of appropriate for last week oh, okay um, so last night I was listening to uh, the Football Daily podcast okay uh, with Charlie Adam Chris Sutton and Ian Wright and they were asked to pick their England starting 11 at Euro 2020 oh that's a good one England starting 11 at Euro 2020 and I've got their starting 11s which I thought I might read out to yeah. give people some food food for thought Go for it. So Charlie Adam went for a 4-3-3. Yeah. Pickford in goal. Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Stones and Chilwell at yeah. the back. Henderson, uh, Deli Ali, Henderson and Foden in the middle. Oh. And uh, Sterling, Kane and either Sancho or Damari Gray. Damari Gray. Mm. Chris Sutton went for a 4-3-3. Uh, Pickford in goal. Walker, Gomez, Stones and Luke Shaw at the so back. So no one's picked Maguire yet. Wow. Uh, Ali Henderson and oh no, sorry, Charlie Adam. I've just read off the wrong line. Charlie Adam had Barkley, Winks, Slash, Cook, yeah, and Foden. Chris Sutton had Ali Henderson, Foden. Sorry, I can't read. <laughs> uh, and then Sterling Kane, Rashford up okay. top, and Ian Wright went for a four-two-three-one, yeah. and he went Pickford in goal. Walker, Gomez, Stones and Chilwell but if he said he was really pushed on it he'd go for Gomez and Maguire yeah okay which I thought was interesting and then Winks and Delf in the two yeah and then Sterling Alley and Rashford in behind Kane yeah cool well that's it for next week your England starting 11 at Euro 2020 mm-hmm. that's an interesting not one. as if it was picked tomorrow what you think it's going to be okay they were, it was quite interesting where they, um, the, I can't remember who the host was um, but he was like oh you're not going to get that many players coming through so it should be quite easy to do and Ian Wright was just like I think it was Ian Wright said would you have put Jaden Sancho in your team two years ago and nope. probably not because he was like 16 and probably yeah. not playing professional football but would so, you have seen it would you have like put him in a squad do you mean as in like you're starting 11 yeah, probably not no. Um, but is he in the starting eleven now? That's the question. If you were to pick your strongest England team, would he make yeah, starting it's a starting eleven? It's a tough now? one. It's a tough it is, one. Yeah. So last but not least, mm-hmm. JB's tiny tip. Uh, I would like the odds for Bolton to beat Millwall, please. Okay, give me one second. We've not won for fourteen or fifteen games now, so we're away from home as well. Well, it's uh, is this on Saturday? It's either Saturday or yeah, I think it's Saturday. Uh, but five to one. Yeah, that's good so enough odds for it me. It came in last week, by the way. It came in. Your bet. We're back up. We're back up. So six pound. Well, five pound if we win. Um, if you include my pound bet placed, Bolton to beat Millwall away from home at the Den. It's going to be interesting. It is. Yeah. So good weekend of football coming up. 
interesting uh, interesting debate on England today that's the end of the internationals for 2018 so we'll be back talking about internationals thank god next year um, next week we'll hope to have a guest on and uh, yeah it'll be nice anything else to say? I don't think so right I'm going to go for a massive shit thank you very much for listening and we'll uh, see you all next week bye